Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Welcome to today's episode of the Teacher Edition Podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us, and I'm confident you'll be glad you did too. As we get started, let me remind you to take a minute to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss one single episode with our fantastic guests. I also want to encourage you to leave us a review. That helps others to find the show as well. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. And lastly, we are looking for your questions. So I want to invite you to go to our website, That's teachereditionpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to our emails and read more about the podcast, but you can also submit your questions. These are questions that we share at the end of most of our episodes, so you will want to check that out. It's a simple click of a button. I promise it's that simple, and you can record your question. So I am really excited to have Dan Bybee with us today. I've had the opportunity to hear Dan speak, and I appreciate his excellent insights on education from multiple perspectives. And I say multiple perspectives because Dan currently serves as an assistant pastor and an administrator of a Christian school, but he's also a deputy sheriff and chaplain for the sheriff's office there in North Carolina, where he and his family live. So that's quite a mix of ministries. He actually began his law enforcement career in California in 2016. He served as, note these, a detective, a school resource officer, a defense tactics instructor, taser master instructor, specialized traffic accident reconstructionist, and a member of the Crucial Incident Stress Management Team. Those are quite the responsibilities. He has conducted drills and responded to several mass casualty incidents. Then in 2017, the Lord brought his family to North Carolina, where they currently serve, and where I was first introduced to him when he presented a session on school safety, a vital topic and one we really cannot overlook. You know, we can be masters at our math lessons. We can be state champions in a sport for 10 years running. But overlooking safety can jeopardize our lives and the lives of the most precious possessions of those parents and guardians who entrust us with their children every single day. So today, we're going to talk school safety. Dan, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. So often when we hear the topic of school safety, we don't often think of the little but vital elements of daily safety. Instead, we think active shooter. We think lockdowns. Unfortunately, these are becoming more and more prevalent in the society we live in today. So let's start the conversation there. So much of school safety is thinking ahead, it's practicing and preparing. Dan, what can a school do to prepare for a mass casualty event? Jenny, that's a great question. And again, thank you for having me on the podcast here today. The two things as I prepare for talking about events like that are two P's that really that I've come up with. Uh, The first P that I've come up with, and it's not original to me as far as this specific word, but the word pray. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 31, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And in our Christian realm, we cannot um, underestimate the power of prayer. Uh, What can we pray for? We can pray for the Lord to reveal situations. We can pray for God to give us wisdom. We can pray for God to give us 
discernment with students and their families. You know, our purpose is to reach students and their families for Christ so that the Holy Spirit can do a work in them. So the first thing that I think that we can do is to pray. And secondly, along with that is to prepare. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, 31, as I mentioned, the horse is prepared for the day of battle. And I think that we can't neglect and solely rely on prayer. We rely on God. But at the same time, I think we need to do our part as well. And preparation is such a key. Things that we can do with preparation are conducting a risk assessment. What does that look like? Uh, Generally, a law enforcement professional will come out and assess your buildings and grounds for vulnerabilities. That's the assessment. They then make a recommendation for improvement. That's the intervention. And those things are so important. Things that they'll look at are, hey, are your doors auto-locking? You know, do you have soft barriers? Do you have hard barriers? You know, what is your current emergency response protocol? Do you have cameras on your property? Uh, Can those cameras be remotely accessed? The goal of this is to identify and then to fortify any perceived weaknesses. Uh, Along with preparation, I think discussing and practicing scenarios, asking yourself the question, what would you do if this specifically happened? Uh, Conducting drills, uh, being vigilant, uh, training your teachers and your staff to be cognizant of their surroundings. And I hate that we even have to talk about safety within a Christian school, but unfortunately, that's the day and age in which we live today. Definitely. So that's a great foundation. We need to pray and we need to prepare. And I heard another P in there. I heard practice. That's part of preparing. So this, that's a great foundation we've laid. Now, talk to us about the makeup of a typical offender. We know that they come in all shapes and sizes, and most often they're not that typical, that stereotypical bad guy get up look that maybe you see on movies or in video games. What could schools be looking for in an offender? Yeah, and so I think the general um, logic would say the offender is somebody from the outside that's looking to do harm. However, statistics don't show that that's the fact. Statistics have shown that the offenders are somebody from the inside. They're not outsiders. It's somebody that's already familiar with the school, whether it's a family member, whether it's a previous student, but it's somebody who has generally had some type of interaction with the school. And so when, you're, when you talk about what does a typical offender look like, there's no specific uh, set of circumstances or there's no specific figure that you're looking for. But what you're more looking for are actions. What you're more looking for, what is the behavior that's led up to that? Generally speaking, they've talked about it before it's happened. And the red flag laws that are just now being implemented in the United States have a lot to do with this conversations that are taking place. Um, there are several instances where the where the individual mentioned, hey, look, I wonder what it would be like to do this or has, has, has used somebody else as a sounding board. And unfortunately, those those haven't been escalated in the proper timing and has led, you know, has led to the events still occurring. However, um, what we look at specifically is it's somebody that already has access to it. They talk about it before it happens. Uh, Statistics wise, the older that you are, the less likely you are to be an offender or a victim. And really, aside from that, there's no specific makeup. Uh, regarding race, regarding religion, regarding male or female, it's pretty much split down the line. And so with that being said, I think it's so imperative for us to be aware of who is in our school and who we're allowing accessing our school on a regular basis. 
And that also relates back to our drills. Um, the one people, uh, the, the people that we're training with could be the potential offender tomorrow. And so it, 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 it just makes you think outside the box to say, hey, look, if they already know that this is the way that we're doing things and they're going to try and throw a wrench into the system, how are we going to react to that then? One of the greatest, greatest examples of that is in the past, they've said, hey, look, we've got a code red drill. So what we're going to do is we're going to lock down students into a classroom and we're going to shut the doors. We're going to lock them. We're going to you know, barricade the doors and so on and so forth. So the offender who was a student realized that and said, hey, look, what can I do to defeat that? Well, wait a second. We also have a fire drill. And if I pull the fire alarm, everybody goes outside. So what happens in the middle of a fire drill when you know everybody's going outside and then all of a sudden there's a code red drill? What do we do then now? And those are important questions to ask to run through scenarios. And the last several active shooters that I'm aware of, they've actually pulled the fire drill in some way, shape or form in order to try and combat the barricading in classrooms in order to have more casualties in the event. Wow, that's incredible. All right, I want to jump back a little bit to something you said and unpack it just a little bit more, if you don't mind. So often after an event, we hear at least one person say, oh, I saw that, but I didn't say anything or something didn't seem right, but I'm, I wasn't sure why. So I didn't say anything. You know, people are kicking themselves that they didn't notice or say something. So let's talk about the time before the mass casualty event. What are some of the key indicators that maybe are there ahead of time? Yeah, generally speaking, the, the, the offenders have been considered outsiders as far as not going along with the regular crowd. Uh, I've, I've never heard of, you know, the, the prom king or the prom queen or the, um, you know, uh, you have high school, you know, graduation and the valedictorian or the salutatorian or somebody that's well known within the school to be the offender. And so generally, it's somebody that they would consider to be an outsider or outside of the normal realm, maybe somebody you use the term even that's been bullied or doesn't feel like they fit in with the regular crowd. And as a direct result of that, have some kind of vendetta or something against the school as a result of it. So I think what we need to do, especially as Christians, is realize that God has created each and every one of us. And that we need to do our best as Christians to bring those people back into the fold. That, hey, look, just because somebody looks different, just because somebody acts different, God still died on the cross for them as well. And I think if we can reach them back at that point in time, maybe we can stop some of these things from happening to begin with. And then if there is delinquent behavior, I think it's so important to raise awareness for that in the right essence, you know. I mean, there is law enforcement that you can talk to, but I think it starts way before then of just pulling somebody aside and giving them a little bit of extra attention to say, hey, I feel like something's going on. Can you talk to me about it and try to reach them at that level? And I think if we're trying to reach them at that level, then the Holy Spirit can do its work and maybe we can prevent some of this before it happens. Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective. You know, and sometimes we don't, we don't think about that too much. We sense someone's a little bit different and we just leave them to be a little different. And I love that perspective of no, reach out to them. You, know, you never know how that's going to impact their life now and in future decisions. Okay, so then there's the ultimate question, and I'm sure you've heard this so many times. What can I do to keep my school safe? We all want to dash into that and get that perfect package of an answer. 
there are endless plans and supplies and webinars and trainings and all kinds of voices speaking into this. So can you wrap up this part of the segment with some really practical advice for our listeners on how they can keep their school safe? Sure. And again, I go back to the three P's that you even talked about, you know, praying, I think is essential. I think preparation with risk assessments, getting local law enforcement uh, involved and then practicing those drills. I think all those things can help uh, to keep a school safe. You know, I think, um, you know, a lot of things happen due to a lack of preparedness, you know, a lack of planning on our part. So I think if we're doing everything that we can, we can to mitigate, it's not going to prevent something from happening. But if something dis, does happen, at least we can say that we've had a plan that we've prepared to the best of our ability. And even if the, the end result of that is mitigating the number of casualties, then that's still success. Yeah, that's great. Very insightful, very practical. You know, it like you said before, it's really sad that we even have to make plans for these types of events or spend so much time preparing but definitely we live in a sin-cursed world that just seems to be getting worse by the day. So you covered a lot of ground and just some great things for our listeners to think about. And we really appreciate you sharing that. Before we wrap up, I want to change topics just a little bit and thank our pastors. So you're wondering how on earth does this have a connection? Well, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And the second Sunday in October is specifically dedicated to showing gratitude for the pastors who faithfully lead their flocks. And Dan, I know that you fall into that category as well as you serve as an assistant pastor. And I want to personally thank you for your care and your commitment, the leadership you give to your people. Typically, as we end our episodes, we take an audience question. But I wondered if today you could just take a few minutes and comment on the connection between pastors and the Christian schools. Some listeners may be serving like you in the role of a pastor and an educator, Others are in a school that's connected to a church, and some have no connection to a church, but there is such an opportunity for partnership and support there. So maybe if you could talk with us about how pastors can support Christian education and vice versa as we partner with parents to together lead their children in the ways of the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so imperative that, you know, our dynamic is that the pastor, our church, is the one that's over the ministry of the Christian school. And I think if you have a ministry like that, it's important to keep a light of communication. We're so blessed with our pastor is over at the school typically every day in the mornings. He's greeting families. He's greeting students. Uh, he oversees our chapel services. So he's intricately involved uh, with the ministry there. Uh, I think uh, communication is a huge aspect of that. If you have the same dynamic as we have here, you know, just making sure that we're philosophy, that we're on the same direction. Um, I think that's so important. If you're in a school where you're not necessarily connected with the church, I think there are other churches that you can connect with. And I think those pastors can be a great help to those ministries there, whether it's in chapels or with teaching a Bible class or, uh, you know, various aspects of that. I think the main thing to think about is that we're all on the same team. I think sometimes we can think, oh, well, we're in competition or we're against each other or we don't believe exactly the same. But at the same time, we're all in this. As you said, we're partnering with families. We're partnering with parents in order to educate the children. And I think if we can look at it as, hey, we're all on the same team. How can we get in this together? I think it will greatly benefit both sides. Great insights and really good ideas there. And again, thank you to all of our pastors and special appreciation to those 
who may be listening who are pastors and educators. And Dan, you've really given us a lot to think about. I just want to say thank you again for taking time to share with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. Remember to go to teachereditionpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day. But it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through His grace working in you. Let's go do what God has called us to do.